Today on Abounding Grace, hope for the family. So there is hope for our families. There is hope today for your family. As hard as it might be, and as challenging as you might see, and the difficulties that are in your home right now, there is hope for every family listening to my voice today. Think about this for a second. Before God spoke about work, before God spoke about civil government, the church, schools, before he spoke about the law or race or even health, God spelled out the primary principles of the home because it was his top priority. This is amazing grace. are delighted to share the next half hour with you and welcome to Abounding Grace. We're in the process of uncovering God's heart for your family through a series we've titled Family Matters. Today we're going to narrow the scope to marriage matters. And as we begin our study of marriage today with Pastor Ed Taylor, it would be a good idea to first define it. As you may know, there's a big push to undermine and redefine marriage today, but we must remember God created it and he is the one who sets the parameters for what marriage is and is not. Open your Bibles, would you, to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll also be in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Marriage Matters. That will be the pattern of our titles throughout the series. Marriage Matters. God's heart and desire for families is the target through this series of messages. What does God desire? What is his will for our lives? We put together a series we're calling Family Matters because God wants to deal with the matters pertaining to our homes so that we might be stronger and more available to the world around us, that we would live out as salt and light to those that God has allowed into our lives. And what a joy to know as we embark on this series that God is with us, that he's for us and not against us. He wants us to thrive and to grow in his grace together. He wants us to enjoy our marriages. He wants us to enjoy our kids. He wants us to enjoy our families, no matter what size, what, what shape, and what form your family might be. And we were encouraged last time to choose God's way, because there are always choices before us. It's the wise decision to build your house on the rock. It's a wise decision to allow Jesus himself to build our lives on the foundation of his word. And today our topic is marriage matters. And it's such a huge topic, isn't it? We could easily do a series on marriage. We could easily fill books with teachings on marriage. But today I want to isolate a few truths that I believe the Holy Spirit has given to us prepping and preparing us. Now, marriage was invented by God. He created it, and therefore, he defines it, he gives direction for it, and he sustains every single marriage among us. God's perfect and only design and definition for marriage, that's our first question today, what is the definition? What is marriage? 
God's perfect and only design is this. One male, one female, one lifetime. And in our culture today, we have to add this. One biological male, one biological female for one lifetime. That's God's design. That's his definition. It is unchangeable. Marriage that is based upon the word of God, you know, if you think about it, it's really a culture within a culture, isn't it? Like you have the wave of cultures, kind of, kind of like the, the ocean waves, and there you are walking out against the current. And you're in a culture within a culture. You feel like you're an outsider in this world. You feel like an alien for holding fast to a biblical standard, for reading your Bible and letting it speak and inform and direct your lives. We're living in a time where marriage is devalued, where marriage is minimized and trivialized and belittled. There are attempts to redefine and replace and even repeal God's design for marriage. And it seems like most of the world is going along with the flow. It seems like most of the world is carried along with these misdefinitions, which really come from a rejection of God, a rejection of God and his word. And it's good to be reminded today that as a church, as a follower of Christ, you can hold to the biblical standard of marriage, you can hold to the biblical standard of God's word, and still be very loving to those who disagree with you. That's essential. We're not simply to hold to a conviction and hold to God's word and then find ourselves in a place of condemning and judgmental attitudes to those who disagree. Because I would dare say there are many among us, many listening today, that were in a position of disagreeing with God before they got saved. That was certainly my position in life. Not only did I disagree with God, I wanted nothing to do with God. And so it's important that you hold these two things that are often in tension, but you hold them together. Yes, we believe in what the Bible teaches, unashamedly, without any apology, yes. However, the emphasis is not simply believing, but it's also in loving and serving a world that has rejected God. And if they don't turn the course of their life in repentance and humility, they'll spend eternity apart from God. They'll spend eternity in hell. And we don't want that. That's not our desire. But we do live in a time where everything's being changed and redefined. So I went to my trusty Google search and looked up a few definitions of marriage and what the popular. We start off with number one, the popular and well-known and trusted Wikipedia. Wikipedia defines marriage as this, and I quote, marriage, also called matrimony or wedlock, is a culturally recognized union between people called spouses that establishes rights and obligations between them, as well as between them and their children, and between them and their in-laws, it is considered a cultural, universal, but the definition of marriage varies between cultures and religions. And over time, and I just stopped there, that's the first half of the first paragraph. Very ambiguous and changing. Not quite sure what they're trying to say. Psychologytoday.com says this, and I quote, marriage is the process by which two people make their relationship public, official, and permanent. It is the joining of two people in a bond that putatively lasts until death, but in practice is often cut short by separation or divorce. Then not too many years ago, the Atlantic Monthly did a big article on marriage, and I'll quote from them. 
With the Oxford Dictionary changing its definition of marriage to now include the possibilities of same-sex marriage on occasion of the brand new gay marriage law in Britain, we decided to take a look at how, some, how other somewhat official state dictionaries define that word. The first definition in the Oxford Dictionary is, and I subquote, the formal union of a man and a woman, end subquote, but it also now has, subquote, in some jurisdictions, a union between partners of the same sex, end quote, tacked onto its listing. And the Oxford, the Oxford English Dictionary, in tiny letters below the traditional condition of being a husband and wife definition, has the term is now sometimes used to reference long-term relationships between partners of the same sex, and on and on and on. So many words, no definition. And it's just anything basically you want it to be. According to God, that's not possible. God has a specific definition for us that dates back to the beginning of known creation. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 1, if you'll look with me in verse, let's pick up in verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Notice verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we have man and woman, the first man and first woman. And immediately after the Lord God created them, he blessed them and he spoke to them. As a matter of fact, this is the first command in all the Bible was given to a couple, to a unified couple. And how far we have drifted from God's original plan. Our generation, our culture, our society is undermined, rewritten, and basically replaced the biblical direction of family, marriage, and children, and so many people are paying the price. Whenever we choose to turn our back on God, we will pay the price. Now, for sure, there's no one-size-fits-all family. There are many varied families among us today. There are marriages, there are singles, there are those that have been divorced, there are widows and widowers. There are different variations of the family unit. But there is a paradigm that God created that he intended not to be changed. Notice in chapter 2 now of Genesis, in verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day of you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. In verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. 
And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Because some would ask, what do you mean one man, one woman, Ed? Well, here we have the only two people on the planet earth, a man and a woman, being referred to as a husband and a wife. This is the definition that we get from the very beginning from the scriptures. And here we have the key principles. Here we have key principles that give marriage and family its strength. I'll give you four of them if you're taking notes. Number one, we see severance. Number one, we see severance. In marriage, a man and a woman must leave their father and mother. A new entity is created, and there is severance. Number two, in marriage, there is permanence. Permanence, you notice that. They are to be joined together. The husband, the man joined to his wife, the wife joined to her husband. Permanence. Number one, severance. Number two, permanence. Number three, notice unity. Unity is to be in marriage. They will become what? One flesh. A new relationship. Unity. And then finally, number four, you'll notice intimacy. Intimacy. Marriage is to be the most intimate relationship you enjoy on the planet Earth. They were both naked and not ashamed. So from the earliest of time, God cared so much about the family that he provided the foundational guidelines that would make it solid and keep it strong. So there is hope for our families. There is hope today for your family. As hard as it might be, and as challenging as you might see, and the difficulties that are in your home right now, there is hope for every family listening to my voice today. Think about this for a second. Before God spoke about work, before God spoke about civil government, the church, schools, before he spoke about the law or race or even health, God spelled out the primary principles of the home because it was his top priority. And so a Christian marriage based upon the word of God is one that resists being swallowed up by the culture and the darkness that surrounds it. And this is an important principle to pick up, church, because the world is constantly telling you how to be married, how to live, how to be a wife, how to be a husband, how to be a parent. And the Bible teaches us the exact opposite. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we're told, don't be conformed to this world. Don't fall into the teachings of this world. It says, not only that, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And I wonder how many problems exist in the marriages and families of our own church simply because you've chosen to abandon God's perfect will and adopt practices and teachings that you got in this world. You, you read an article, you had a friend, you're watching one of the TLC or one of the channels and go, that's it, that's what I should do, that's who I should copy, when all the while the Word of God is simple and straightforward for your home and mine, even if the application of God's Word may not be so simple and straightforward. It might be very challenging, but we don't abandon God's Word because things get hard. We press in to God's Word when things get hard. We want to be in a home that chooses to honor God in love and submission to Him. So you have all these opinions, right? You, you pick them up along the way. Silly things. 
But nonetheless, people believe this stuff. You might be listening to me right now, you know, kind of tuning through on Christian radio. So you're listening to me right now. You go, well, you know, Pastor, I understand what you say. I even understand what the Bible says, but I just don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I think that I can marry my dog because I love my dog. And what's to tell me that I can't marry my dog? I love him. No, you can't marry. Let me just say definitively, you cannot marry your dog. That's not possible. And you go, well, I love my dog. I love my dog more than anything. Well, that, that may be true, but if you think you can marry your dog, you know what? You love yourself more than anyone else because you've created something that's not possible. The Bible calls that an idol. You're redefining God in your own image. Or maybe this, you know what? I, I think I can marry three wives. Three wives. I, I saw that show, Sister Wives, and I can be just like that guy. Well, first of all, anyone that wants to marry three wives, let me just tell you, one is a handful. <laughs> but that's not God's will for your life, marry three wives. You don't love those women. You love yourself. That's a selfish thing to do. And, and they're caught up. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're also selfish. You have motives other than pleasing God, if that's your viewpoint. It's real love, you say. You can't tell me who I can love. I believe men can marry men, and I believe women can marry, marry women, and I believe in same sex. Like, like, no, that philosophy is an outgrowth of loving yourself. Loving yourself. Now, let me say this is a very prevalent thing in our culture today, and I understand that there is a true desire to care for one another, but it's not God's will for your life. He wants you to love and enjoy love, but he has given the parameters for that love. And it is possible for you to talk through your emotions and your thoughts so that you can take them and say, you know, God does love you. He wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you confused and embarking on a journey that will truly, truly damage your soul. Because you know that's what sin does, right? Sin damages the soul. It always brings death. It doesn't matter what sin. The consequences may vary in severity, but sin always damages. And when you come to the Bible and say, I think this, when the Bible says this is the truth, you are simply declaring that you've chosen yourself and you've rejected God. He doesn't change with the culture or with your feelings. He doesn't shift and move around. The Bible says in Psalm 33 verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plan of his heart to all generations. So again, we can hold and, and cling to the biblical ideal and the truth of God's word but church in the shifting culture around us, we need to learn how to apply it in love so we can speak to the situations and the feelings of other people. You will make no progress for the gospel if you sit in judgment and condemnation of those that are wrestling with sin. You'll make no progress. It's like you might find yourself, well, you know what? I have good answers and I can argue with them and I'll, I will argue them into the kingdom. You won't. You might win the argument but you'll lose the soul. You gotta learn how to take those arguments and fashion and mold them behind love. Agape love always precedes any conversation, any opportunity. You want, people need to know how much you love them. They care more about how much you love them than about how much you know. That's, they care about you caring about them. And it opens a door for the gospel.
You might be thinking today too that a real valid God-designed marriage is hard and it's difficult. You, you, you may look at it and go, man, that just seems impossible. It's true. Marriage is hard. It is hard work. Any successful marriage, you, know, you maybe have someone in your life, you go, I like that marriage. I'd like my marriage to be like that. And, and, and if you had the opportunity to talk to them, they would tell you, it's hard work. It is challenging. You just don't come together and say, oh, you know, everything's great. No, the biggest issue in all of our lives is our selfishness. Our selfishness. That is the root cause of marriage problems is our selfishness. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, good. Finally, Ed has spoken to my wife's selfishness. Yes. My husband, he's such a selfish man. While that might be true, that's the wrong conclusion. You're selfish. And so am I. Every problem in my marriage, Marie and I have been married 32 years now, ups and downs all throughout the way. I, we, just, we have a regular, normal marriage. Every issue in our marriage is rooted in our selfishness, in our choosing self over each other, sometimes worse than others. It's work. You need to work at it. Abiding in Christ. We need to work hard because we tend, our tendency is to be selfish and self-centered. And the key to a successful life, marriage, and family is God's Word. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. We've been discussing marriage matters today through a study of Genesis. Hear this again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as you were seeking to answer the question, what is marriage? A question came to mind. As you know, same-sex marriage is a big issue in our world today. And some listening right now may find the definition of one male and one female for one lifetime far too constricting. Why is it necessary to agree with God on His definition of marriage? Well, you know, Larry, it's important to agree with God whenever He says something in the Word. Uh, it's important that we yield ourselves to God's design because He is our Creator. Now, let me just say, there are things in the scriptures that are very challenging, very hard, on how different people have applied the Bible through the years. I, I want to give the critic, the skeptic listening into me right now, I, I want to give you that leeway to understand some things in the Bible are very hard to reconcile, very hard to understand at times. But could I also suggest to you that those are very few and far between, very few, Things that are easy to understand far outweigh the challenging. And one of the easy things to understand is God's definition of marriage. And even very clearly, as I, I share, very, uh, very precisely, one biological male and one biological female for one lifetime. That's God's ideal. Hey, I know we don't always live up to the ideal I know that divorce rates among Christians are just as high as divorce rates in the world. I know. But even our own failures do not minimize or undermine the teaching of God's Word. And really today, the reason why people don't believe uh, and agree with God in His definition of marriage is because through the educational system and our cultural system, they have just been told there is no God. There is no accountability to God. Therefore, there, there is no substance to the Bible and, and undermining all the foundational truths. But I, I would ask you to consider what the Bible has to say. Consider it. Don't easily dismiss it. Consider it, and I know that God will use it in your life. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. 
You know, we really enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed's new book, Face Your Fears. The past year and a half have been super challenging, and many of us have been struggling with fear. Some are afraid of getting the virus. Others are afraid of dying. Some fear losing their business. If that describes you, we'd like to encourage you to order a copy of Face Your Fears. You can move from fear to faith. And Pastor Ed explains how in this helpful little book. Call us right now, 877-30-GRACE. We ask for a donation of $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. Again, calvaryco.store. More about marriage as God intended it to be next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.